This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. morning everybody. Nice to see you all. Before we start, let's pray and ask God to work. Lord God, we thank you for today. Thank you for each person that is here, Lord, that you have um, something for, Lord, an encouragement or something that you want to do in our lives, Lord. And we just ask that you would move today. Thank you for the work you've already done and we just thank you for the work you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this is a picture of... Well, my mum, my sister Annette, who is just down here, and myself, and not that you need to know this, but we were getting ready for school and I would run late all the time, so my sister would do my hair while my mum did her hair, so that we would not run late. Now, in this photo, I think I was around about the age of eight, and something happened when I was about that age that was um, significant for me. Now, I grew up in a home with Christian parents. My dad became a Christian when he was about 16 at a Billy Graham crusade. And my mum was about 25. And they, um, their parents were not Christians, so they were the first sort of Christians in the family. And one of the things that they did for us as we were growing up to teach us about Jesus was that we would do a Bible devotion at night before bed. And so they would read to read it with us when we were too little to do that on our own. And then as we got older, we could do it by ourselves. And I remember one night, I must have been old enough to do this by myself. So again, like I said, I was around the age of eight. And my devotion was around how God can speak to us. And that was a new concept. I hadn't heard that before. So that was interesting, I thought. And at the end, it encouraged me to pray and ask God to speak to me, which I did, not really knowing what to expect. And when I did, I heard a deep, strong, but gentle male voice, not out loud with my ears, but in my head, say, be still and know that I am God. I didn't realize it at the time, but that is a verse from the Bible. And that one devotion time, that one moment of praying and asking God to speak and for him to speak to me changed how I saw my relationship with God and my understanding of who God is and how he wants to communicate with us. And that was something that has, I suppose, helped me in my journey with prayer. Now here at LifeGate, we believe that God has given us a vision to help people live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus offers. And today we're looking at our third and final series for our Connected to God, our Connected to God series. And we're going to look at the third and last part of that, which is connecting to God through prayer. And today, I am not a prayer expert, but I am someone who's a Christian. I became a Christian when I was four and I do pray. And so what I'm going to share with you is from what I have learnt myself and from what the Bible says. And there is a lot more that could be said around prayer and how to pray pray that I don't have time to cover today. But hopefully what I do cover will be encouraging to you and you'll be able to see God working in ways that um, helps to change us when we pray. So what is prayer? First of all, well, prayer is just talking to God. 
praying is talking to God, and like he did for me when I was eight, he also can talk to us. Why do we pray? Well, we pray because God wants us to. Here are some verse, or parts of verses that help us to understand that God wants us to be praying. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 says, And when you pray. It's not and if you pray, but when you pray. And this was Jesus talking. He wants us to be people who pray. Romans 12, verse 2. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. So it's not just a we pray occasionally, but we're faithful at praying and talking to God. Ephesians 6, 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. We don't just pray for some things and sometimes, but on all occasions. This one, devote yourselves to prayer from Colossians 4, verse 2. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray continually. So when instructed by God in the Bible that he wants us to be praying all the time. He wants us to talk to him all the time. And I think we can use a human relationship. So the Bible tells us when we follow Jesus, we become God's children. And he is a perfect father. Not like the fathers on earth who might fail us, but a perfect heavenly father. And when we have our own children, I've got three children, and when they talk to me, I really enjoy them talking to me. I like that they can talk to me. I like hearing about their day. I like that they can share their struggles with me and I like to help them when and if I can. And I like when they ask for the things that they need instead of just expecting that I will put food out for them or give them water or whatever it is that they need. I like that they ask for those things. And I think that creates a good picture for us of our relationship with God, that he wants us to talk to him because we are his children and he likes when we talk to him. So what happens when we pray? What happens when we connect to God? Well, there are a few things we're going to look at today that happen. And the first one is that we have peace and comfort that comes into our life when we pray. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we're told that we don't need to be anxious, but instead we should pray, and that when we pray and we thank God, that the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. It's a promise. It's not a, sometimes when you pray, you should expect to receive peace from God, but a, you will receive peace that will guard your hearts and your minds. Today we have, it seems like, an epidemic of people being anxious. We've got a society full of people, and even in the church we have anxiety levels today that I think are probably unlike what they've had in the past. And one of the things that we have that is like a weapon, something that we can use to remove that anxiety, is prayer, which is so important for us. I'm going to share with you some stories today of my own experience of when I've prayed and I've seen God move and how examples of what I'm talking about. So for me, um, in regard to having peace and comfort, it was about 10 years ago I went through a particularly difficult season of life. And I can't go into the details of what happened because 
the story isn't just mine to tell and I want to protect some people involved in the story. <coughs> but I can say that it was something that brought intense pain and sadness, confusion, fear into my life. It was a time when Nathan knew of the other person involved. It was not Nathan, just clarify that, who caused this pain. It wasn't Nathan, but he knew of the person, but the relationship wasn't the same. And so the pain hurt me differently to him, and so at times I felt that I was alone. And it was a situation that changed me and changed lots of other lives forever. And during that time, I came across a song called You Never Let Go. And it was one that I would sing and put on every day and sing to God. And I just want to stop and say that when we sing to God, singing like we did this morning to God is also prayer. So we've already done a lot of praying this morning. You just might not have realized that that's the case. And I just want to show you some of the words as an example of what it was I was praying during what was an extremely difficult time. The words are, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back. I know you are near. I remembered that God was with me. Each day, it was a reminder that God is with me. And I will fear no evil. For my God is with me, and if my God is with me, whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? Like I said, I had a lot of fear that came as a result of this particular situation, and this was a good reminder that I didn't need to be afraid. And then the song goes on to say, Oh no, you never let go through the calm and through the storm. Oh no, you never let go in every high and every low. Oh no, you never let go. Lord, you never let go of me. I remember listening to that song over and over again, and it was so comforting to be able to sing that and know it was true. And then it goes on, and this was also something that helped bring peace and hope to me, because it said, And I can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on, a glorious light beyond all compare. And there will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, we'll live to know you here on this earth. One day I knew that the things that had happened the situations of life would be gone and we would be able to see Jesus and it would be perfect. And so I had hope. And so I sang this and prayed this to God every day and the result was that I went through what should have been a really awful season. It was an awful season, but I went through it without the really damaging, um, the damage that it could have done. It was like... In the Bible, there's a story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and they have to go into the fire because they bow down to worship an idol, and so they're put in the fire as a punishment. And they come out, and they don't even smell of smoke. And it was like when I went through this season that I could come out not even really smelling like it had happened almost because God had done a mighty work and given peace when there should not have been peace. The next thing that happens is that we find belonging and acceptance. Too often in life, we can feel that we don't belong or that we're not really accepted. But when you go and you pray to God, I know that for myself, I walk away knowing that I have just spent time with someone who loves me. 
I've just spent time with someone who accepts me as I am, who's heard me, who's always there for me, who never is too busy to listen to what I've got to say and who cares about me. Then direction. When we pray, we can ask God for direction. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I remember very clearly, Nathan and I had been married about six months. We were not at LifeGate at the time. We were at another church and it was where I'd grown up. I'd been there for 23 years and it was my home church. And Nathan said, I think we're meant to leave the church. And I went, I don't want to leave the church. It was where I felt I belonged. I was accepted. It was safe. It was, I loved it there. And he said, no, I think God wants us to leave. And so we prayed for direction. I can, I can remember praying one particular day, really not wanting the answer to be yes, you're meant to leave. But I remember praying one day that God would give us a clear answer. I needed a clear answer for this to be able to move. And we prayed that um, we'd get a phone call and from someone from LifeGate or some, some way that we would know what we meant to do. And I also said, and God, can you do it by five o'clock today? Because <laughs> I, I needed an answer. And if you know Nathan, he likes answers quickly. And so I needed direction fast. And so about two minutes till five o'clock, the phone rings. Someone from LifeGate Church. And as the rest, they say, is history. And we ended up here at LifeGate. So when we pray, God gives us direction. The other thing I want to look at today is breakthrough. When we pray, God brings breakthrough into our life and into the lives of others. And there are a few different ways that breakthrough can come. It might be physical breakthrough in our bodies. It might be emotional, financial, spiritual. There are different ways that God brings breakthrough into our life. Now, in the area of financial breakthrough, I remember as a kid, my dad hurt his back. He had two slipped discs in his back and couldn't work. Yes, it's very painful. Um, and so he couldn't work, and my mum had stayed home as um, a way to... She'd already been home, I mean, since my sisters and I were little, and hadn't worked for a long time in a paid role. She's a great worker at home, though. And as a result... We had a lot of, obviously, expenses and a lot of financial strain on our family. And so being a family that believed that God was our provider, we obviously prayed that God would look after us and provide for us. <coughs> and I can remember days where I would come home from school and there had been envelopes with money in our letterbox. And I, I quickly checked with my mum yesterday and I said, how many times do you think that happened, mum? She said, it would have had to be at least six and the writing was different every time. So it was different people had written, had been um, prompted by God to give us money and put it in the letterbox and provide for us financially. And the money was what we needed to cover my dad's chiropractic bills, all of them. So when we pray, God provides and brings financial breakthrough. He can also bring emotional breakthrough. So about eight years ago, I um, found out that I was pregnant, and then after knowing that for about a week, I found out that I was having a miscarriage. And as you can imagine, if you've been through that or know someone who has, I was really sad. I was um, sad every day, and particularly at night, I just had this heaviness that would come on me of sadness because 
I had these ideas that I was going to have this baby who wouldn't be there after all. And I remember one night after days of doing this heaviness and thinking to myself, this is not right, like sadness, (coughs) yes, but there was heaviness that I didn't want to carry around and it was affecting me really badly. I remember praying, I was brushing my teeth, and I prayed and I said, God, I don't want to carry this anymore. I don't want to have this heaviness. I need you to fix it. And so I finished brushing my teeth. um, And then a little while later, Nathan had already gone to bed and was asleep. And I thought, I'll go to bed and I should read the Bible, I guess, because what good Christians do. But then I felt like God said, no, not to read the Bible, but to pick up my other book I'd started reading, which was called Extravagant Worship by Darlene Check. So I opened it up to the page where I was up to and I started reading. And it was about how she had had a miscarriage at 12 weeks and how when she was on the way home from the obstetrician, she was, they were shocked. They didn't realise that she'd had a miscarriage and the baby was not alive until that appointment, how she was in shock and she was upset and praying to God and she felt that he said, sing. And so she did. And when she did, she said something changed in her on the way home and um, that, where is it? Because there's a good verse, remember, that she'd never before seen God fulfill his word so clearly where he said he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So since God had, I'd prayed to God that he would lift the heaviness and since he directed me to this book, I assume then that that was a word for me that I should also sing and worship God. And so that's what I did. I went and put some headphones on. I had two little boys who were sleeping and a husband who was asleep. So I did the best I could late at night, put on my headphones and went and quietly worshiped God in the back part of our house. And it was hard. I didn't particularly feel like worshipping God when there was heaviness and sadness, but chose to do it, trusting that God was going to do something with that. And so I did, and I cried, and I sang. And by the time I went to bed, I was feeling a little bit more peaceful, but I kept listening to music. So I laid in bed with the headphones on, hoping not to wake Nathan up. Um, And as I did, I had my eyes shut, and I saw a picture that I believe was God. And he was standing there, it's like a zoomed out picture of him, and he was holding a baby. And the picture then zoomed in to look at the baby, and the baby was healthy. It was chubby and healthy and happy and content. And I knew that that was God showing me that the baby was okay. A lot of times they say that miscarriages happen because the baby isn't forming properly. But this baby was perfectly formed in heaven, was with God, and was in the perfect place. But then the picture went up to God's face and I can't tell you what it looked like. But I can tell you that he was crying. And I was a bit surprised. I'm like, well, the baby's healthy. Like, why is he crying? And I realised he was crying because I was sad. And just knowing that brought a lot of comfort to me. And in fact, that time of worshipping God and praying and him showing me that picture lifted that heaviness and it never came back. All because... God works when we connect and pray to him. Now, they are just some of the stories, and no doubt you have your own stories of how when you've prayed and connected to God, he has done great things. I'm not the only person he could stand here and share today. And if you're someone who... um, wants to be able to pray more, but sometimes you get a bit stuck at knowing how to pray. This morning I want to share with you, uh, I suppose, an 
idea, like a plan kind of, of what you can do to help you when you pray. And that is these, it's like a little acrostic poem type thing, I suppose, um, which is acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. But if you're like me and you look at those words and go, oh, they're a bit big, I prefer simple words and I also use these to teach my kids about praying. Wow, sorry, thank you, please. They're much more me kind of words. I don't use the other ones. So we're going to have a look at each of those areas very quickly. The first being adoration or wow. So adoration is, um, it means a deep love and respect or worship. And it's what we show to God. And it's a great place to start praying because when we pray and show God adoration or respect and we worship him, it reminds us of who we are praying to, who God is. It reminds us of who we are and it reminds us that we don't have what we need in life to get by, but God is the one who does. Then we have confession or sorry. So confession means that we recognise that we've done something wrong, we acknowledge it and we say sorry and we do the same with God. Now, as you already know, I'm married to Nathan and occasionally, it's hard to believe I know, I get it wrong. And I do the wrong thing and I hurt Nathan. And even though I hurt him, we're still married, but there's a blockage in our relationship. And it's the same with God. So if I do the things that I know God doesn't like, then I find that there's a blockage. I've put it there, not God. I've put the blockage there. And so coming and saying sorry to God (laughs) removes that blockage so that I can pray to him more easily. It removes the feeling of guilt that I carry around or shame or anything that's attached to it, but it also means I can hear God more clearly if he wants to speak to me. So saying sorry is really important. Then we've got thanksgiving. Now, last week, Sam talked about praise. And if you look up the word thanksgiving in the Bible, you'll find that praise and thanksgiving go together because it's hard to remember the great things God's done without then thanking him for those great things. Now, I think that thanking God is an important thing that we can forget to do. But it's important because, I don't know about you, but if I do something nice, so for my kids, for example, I like them to say, thank you, and they're pretty good at it. So I have Aiden, when he was little, he was about three, I'd be hanging out the washing, and he would just naturally come up and say, thanks, Mum, for hanging out the washing. Isn't that so cute? Anyway, but he would be a very thankful person and I really appreciated it and it's something that I think we can learn from that we should be grateful for what God has done he's done a lot more than hang out our washing although that would be nice too don't you think (laughs) all right (laughs) now in fact the bible says that thankfulness is actually God's will for us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, God says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He wants us to be thankful people. I think sometimes we get really caught up in situations that we face and it's hard to see the things that we can be thankful for. And so I want to leave you with this little part with a story of my son, Joel. Sorry? I'm not up to that yet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he is not paying attention. I'm going to leave this part with a story. Anyway. 
in view of the story. So, like I said, sometimes the circumstances make it seem like there's nothing to be thankful for. But the Bible says we should learn and we should be like little children. And so we're going to learn from my son, Joel, who was three at the time when this happened, around that age. I remember we would read his Bible at night. I tried to carry on the, what my parents had taught me. We'd read his children's Bible at night and then he would pray. And he would squish up his little face. I should have put a picture up of you, for you so you see how cute he was. He would squish up his little face and he would pray, Thank you, God, for my bed. Thank you, God, for my pillow. Thank you, God, for my cupboard. And he'd look around the room. Thank you, God, for my clothes. And he would go on and on and on. For everything he could see or think of, he would thank God. And I think that we can learn from that as well. Because sometimes we forget that all around us, we have things we can be thankful for. Now, Nathan, (laughs) we are up to S, supplication. Or please. Are you good? So, supplication is where we ask God for things. And if we go back to that verse we had before, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It uses the word prayer and petition and request. But we're going to look at prayer and petition. So there are different kinds of ways that we sometimes pray when we are asking God for something. There's prayers which are just here. Everyday prayers, asking God for things. And then there's the word petition, which I had to do a little bit of research to find out what that even meant. So I looked it up. Nathan helped me. Got out a Greek dictionary and it was a complicated process. Um, So we got it all out and we had a look. And the word petition is the same word that's used here in Greek that was used in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, we meet a man named Zechariah, who was the, one of the Jewish priests um, in the temple. And so he's married to a lady named Elizabeth. And we read in verse 7 that they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. So they wanted to have children and they couldn't. And we skip ahead a few verses and it says that an angel appeared to Zechariah and the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. I love how when there's angels, they always say that first because obviously they're scary. Your prayer has been heard. Now, they do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. The word prayer here is the word petition. Your petition has been heard. Lost my spot. Um, Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Now... This man had obviously prayed over and over again. He'd been praying for years because he's quite old now and they still don't have children. But God had heard that prayer, that petition that he had prayed and had answered it. And I think this story is a great reminder that when there's something that we don't see an answer to straight away and we keep on praying, it's a good reminder that sometimes God's plan is because he's got something that needs to happen at just the right time. So John, who's born to Zechariah and Elizabeth, is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had a special job that he would prepare people that Jesus was coming. And he baptised Jesus. If he'd been born years before, then it wouldn't have worked. Because he would have been born and then Jesus would have come and there would have been a big gap in the middle and it just may not have worked out how it's supposed to. But God knew he needed John born when he was born and Jesus was going to come when he was going to come. And so that's a good reminder for us to keep on praying and keep on trusting God because he knows what he's doing. 
Now, I want to leave you with one more thing today. I've shared lots of stories, and sometimes when people share at the front, it sounds like they've got this great close relationship with God where he is always speaking to them and working, and that is not always the case. In fact, this year, or last year and into this year, I was struggling to recognise that connection between me and God. I was praying still, I was still reading the Bible, I was still worshipping him, but it felt like there was something blocking my relationship with God and I couldn't figure out what that was. So I tried to ignore it, I figured it was a season, it will be gone eventually and I will move on. Um, Then for Christmas, my parents-in-law, here up the back, hello parents-in-law, gave me a book called It's Okay Not To Be Okay. And I looked at the title and I thought to myself, well, firstly, what are they trying to say? <laughs> and second, I thought to myself, I don't think I need to read this yet. I'm, I'm doing okay. But I thought, no, no, I'll be a good daughter-in-law. I will read the book that they gave me. So I did. And I have to say that my mother-in-law has a good track record that she's given books before that God has used. So if she gives you a book, be ready for God to talk. Okay? So... I read, started to read the book, and I got to a chapter where the author, which is Sheila Walsh, for anyone who wants to read the book as well, she shares how she went through a really difficult season, an unexpected difficult season in life. She went on to write about how we can all find ourselves in those difficult seasons at times and how we can think we've moved past difficulties, but really all we did was to push down the feelings. And as I read, I realised that that's what I had done for a number of areas in my life. So I kept reading the book, and I was a little bit more focused this time to see what she would say next. She said, I discovered that burying feelings didn't make them go away. Rather, it led to anger, fear, and depression. I thought I'd moved on, but I was carrying the baggage from those unexpected raw emotions with me. And I realised as I read this that there were raw emotions that I had pushed aside And the pain was still there, but I had just kind of squashed them. So I kept on reading the next part of the book because I wanted to see what she said about the breakthrough that God had brought and how that had happened. And she says, and this might be significant for some people here, it might feel more Christian not to bring our anger, pain or disappointment to God but I believe it's actually the antithesis, which means opposite, I looked that up, of a real relationship with Christ. So this is what I had done. I had been pushing those feelings aside because if I was honest, I thought it was disrespectful to tell God how I was feeling. I thought it was a bit rude. I thought it showed a lack of trust and I thought my emotions were not good. So I didn't tell God. I pushed them away. And she says, if you've asked God to intervene in a situation, be it for healing or restoration of a relationship, and nothing changes, so you simply stuff your feelings, don't you think it would impact your faith? How would you pray next time? Would you pray with the same intensity and passion, or would you lower the bar of what you believe God wants, or God can or wants to do? And I knew that's what I'd done. He didn't answer some prayers that I had I'd prayed to for... Um, So for healing, I had some skin cancers and I wanted them gone. I didn't want surgery for those things. And he didn't do it. I had to have the surgery for skin cancers. And I didn't understand why he he can heal people. Why didn't he just heal that? 
And so along with some other situations and people that had hurt me and I didn't understand what had gone on and so I pushed those things aside and um, the Bible says that God works everything for good and I couldn't see it. I could not see how me having skin cancers was going to help anybody else or do any good in my life. And so it made it very hard to trust that God was in control of what was going on. Now, um, yeah, and the result was that I put a barrier up between myself and God. I continued to read the book and Sheila Walsh again shared how she had dealt with her own disappointment and her own struggles. She shared how during the difficult times she learned to share honestly and deeply with God. And as she did, she realised again that God doesn't leave us or abandon us and that he is with us even in the most difficult times. She realised that he is with her in the disappointment and the time when answers to prayer aren't what we wanted. She realised God was with her the entire time and was there to bring her comfort. And she realised that as she allowed the Holy Spirit to invade every space, that's how she puts it, the Holy Spirit to invade every space, and as she gave God the broken pieces of her life, that he did and would do amazing things with it. And she went on to write, and I'm going to read the quote that she says, that God is with you wherever, wherever you are. Right now, you are not alone. Taking the next step can be as simple as this, acknowledging your struggle to God. And so I did. I sat there one day and I told God everything. The good, the bad, the ugly, all the things that I had held back from telling him, I told him all of it. And I found that where I was afraid that I was disrespectful to God, I found that he already knew. I was reminded he knew those things already. He knew how I was feeling. It wasn't a surprise to him. Oh my goodness, Michelle's feeling like that. What a shock. It wasn't surprising. He already knew. He was just waiting for me to tell him. And when we bring those things to God, then it lets him work there. He doesn't push himself into spaces in our life. He wants us to let him in. And so, by doing that, by letting him into those places, he has started working. I have seen him already bring healing. So, to, not physical healing so much, but emotional healing to me since I've prayed for that. I've seen hurt that had been there and I felt alone in it, where I now know he is there and is working. So by bringing all of those things to God and just being honest with him, it has changed my relationship with him and it's changing me. And one of the things my mama has always brought me up with hearing was that God has big shoulders, he can handle it. So whatever it is that you've got, that you want to tell God, he can handle it. So today, have a think about your own journey and your own prayer time. Have a think about where you're at. Do, does any of the things that I've shared about, are they things that you maybe need breakthrough or need to see God doing in your life? Or perhaps have you been like me and if you were honest, you have also pushed some things aside that maybe God is wanting to deal with today and in the days ahead. It's not a one-day only thing where he deals with stuff. He's there every day. So we're going to spend some time. We might get the worship team up. There you are, Jess. We might get the worship team up. We're going to spend some time praying. And um, you might want to pray through this. Wow, sorry, thank you, please. Or maybe 
you might want to start that journey of saying, hey, God, if I'm going to be real and honest, this is how I'm doing. There's a verse in the Old Testament that talks about, um, about saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. I think we do that in church a lot. We pretend that we're good when really there is no peace. And so today, if that's um, you, then I encourage you to spend some time praying to God. Spend some time with worship. Remember, that's prayer too, and worshipping God. And we're going to have the prayer team. They're going to come out the front. And if you want someone to stand with you and pray with you, then I encourage you to do that as well. The Bible says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So you're not just coming up the front to just be prayed for. You're not just sitting in your seat to say a few words. It is powerful and effective because we are connecting to a powerful, effective, loving God. I just want to leave that with you. Um, So yeah, so spend some time... Spend some time worshipping God. Like I said, you might want to just sit and pray or you might want to stand and pray through the worship time. The choice is up to you. God works in different ways at different times and differently for different people. So I encourage you to either stand or if you feel like you just need to sit and just be with God, then do that. But I'm just going to hand over to Jeff. this attitude of praise, keep this attitude of thanksgiving. Encourage you to pray that Acts prayer. Let's spend 15 seconds just in adoration saying, wow. Are you ready? Go. Wow. God, we're good. So good. So good to us. And now confession. We may not want to do this out loud. Confession. Go 15 seconds. God, I'm sorry for. Father, I'm sorry for distractions. I'm sorry for not you not being first in life, God, when I ignore you, selfishness and pride, when we make it about us rather than about you, God, we're sorry. And let's go thankfulness, let's be thankful, God, we thank you for each person that's in this room, we thank you for my wife, Michelle, and my kids, I thank you, God, for Jesus who gave his life for us, God, we thank you, bless you, Lord, thank you, Lord, and let's, let's supplicate, let's ask. Father, we ask you, please, please move. Let's pray, God. Pray. Come on, church, pray. Ask God that he would move in this nation. He'll move in our lives. That he'll bring healing and set the captives free. That he'll draw people to himself. Let's pray. Come on. Father, I want to pray a blessing on each one that's standing here today, each one that's sitting here today, for the kids downstairs, for the youth in the rise, for every adult that's in this room. Father, I pray that your spirit, Lord, would come in power upon each one that you would baptize afresh, that you would anoint afresh, that you would feel afresh. And Lord, that you would give them lips to proclaim your goodness, that you would give them lips to proclaim your truth. Father, I pray for every heart that it will be soft towards you. Father, I pray for every mind, that every mind will have the mind of Christ. For every hand, God, that we will lift our hands in service to you and in service to others. For our feet, God, I pray for the feet fitted with the gospel of peace, that as we go into this world, that we will present the gospel of Jesus, the message of love, the message of life, that will naturally bubble up and will come out of us as we pursue you and as we come to a greater understanding of what you've done. Father, for each one, I pray your blessing. For anyone in this room, Lord, who does not yet know Jesus as Saviour and Lord, that on this day they'll make that decision. 
If you're here this morning, you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. And as I do, I want you to come forward too. And I want you to stand. Come on, prayer team. Come pray forward, prayer team. If you have not yet made a decision to follow Jesus and you want to do that, I'm going to invite you to come forward and come and stand with one of these people that will lead you in that prayer and pray with you. Maybe something that Michelle said touched your heart. Maybe it's that you haven't been given God you know, you haven't been telling him the deep stuff. Well, maybe today, today changes that for you. Maybe that you need breakthrough. Maybe you need peace. Maybe you, there's something going on and, and you want God to move there. Friend, today can be your day. Let's come in faith. Let's come with trust in Him. That as you step out, God, I'm meeting you here. God, meet me here. As I step out, God, meet me here. Let's believe that God's going to do something incredible as we pray. So if you like prayer this morning, the prayer team's here. Please come forward. I'm going to ask Jess to sing one more chorus and then we'll be released. Friends, next week we're, we're starting a series on, on the book of Ephesians. It's a six-week series in the first three chapters and, and we're calling it, Can I Have Hope? Or Do I Have Hope? Yeah? It's going to be great. Let's sing, come forward for prayer, and then be released. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. 